0: Not. Seems like every time the Lord shows up to someone in the, in the Christmas narrative, they're afraid and he's got to tell them, don't fear. Uh, fear not. Uh, and, and I want you to get this as well as you look at this. Uh, they bring tidings of joy in the midst of fear. That's something to take a, a note of. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to the elect. Is that what it says? No. Which shall be to some people? Is that what it says? No. Which shall be to this race or that? No, no. All people. Aren't you thankful for that? This world talks about diversity, equity, inclusion. They don't know what they're talking about. The, the, most, the most diverse message that ever hit this planet was here 2,000 years ago, and it's still changing lives today. Amen. And it's the one you just read. It's to all people. Uh, notice what it says here. Uh, look down at verse number uh, uh, 11. For unto you, it's personal, is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. You can never get it the other way around. You're never going to have peace without glory to God. Uh, look, Look down, if you would, at verse number 15. It came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven. The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing, which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. I, I don't know, in my mind, I just see like this bum rush of, 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 you know, these group of shepherds rolling into where Mary just had her baby. And I could just see Mary looking over at Joseph like, are these your your friends? <laughs> like, whose friends are these? You know, where do they come from? Uh, and, and, you know, it, we, read, we read this story, we think of the manger scene, you know, and, you know, the shepherds like this. And Mary like this, you know, and, and the halo and all that kind of stuff. I mean, she just had a baby. You ladies like everyone showing up when you had a baby? <laughs> strangers showing up when you've had a baby? All right, smelly strangers, men showing up when you've had a baby? Listen, shepherds don't smell great. You know why? They're dealing with sheep. And uh, this is how God operates. You want, you want God's plan for your life? Some of you go, yeah, I do. You may not like it all the time. It may not always make sense, but, but notice what happens here in uh, verse number 17. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And, they all, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and ask for God's blessing. Uh, Since I mercilessly picked on Joe earlier, if you would open us up in a word of prayer, sir. Again, and Lord, Amen. Lord, Christmas was just the start of it, Father, and I'm thankful that we can now celebrate Lord, what, what you did, but Lord, I, I thank you that it didn't stop there. And uh, Father, it's great to be a pastor, Adrian, now as you preach Father, just fill him up with the Holy Spirit, and I pray that if anybody in here is lost, um, that they would understand the gospel. Amen, amen, B C. if you would. Let me just say this, um, what you're reading in Luke chapter 2, it kind of looks, I think from the human standpoint, it kind of looks a little sloppy. It kind of looks like maybe God wasn't prepared or God wasn't well planned for the arrival of His Son on this earth, and nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, but looking at it humanly, there's no room in the inn. Uh, the, the, the first people that come is this, grou- this group of strangers, these shepherds, that they don't know. Uh, this is not how, in their minds, probably they would have drawn it up. Let's be honest. If we were God and we're going to introduce the King of kings and the Lord of lords, we probably may have done it a different way. I'm thankful we're not God. I'm thankful that He's God. And, and I'm thankful that you can look at this and learn that no matter what you, c- you think in your mind, no matter what you perceive, God always has a plan. God always... Knows. The old saying is this. You don't play chess with God and win. All right? God always knows the next step, and God is always prepared. Uh, I want to show you something. Go back to Genesis, all the way back to the very beginning of your Bible. I want to show you something about the Lord. Uh, Here's what I learned about the Lord in the first chapter of Genesis. God is a doer. You know what it says about Joseph? He was, uh, anything that was done in the prison, and when Joseph was uh, uh, cast into prison, and the Bible's commentary on that is that God was with him, Emmanuel, God was with him, God is with us, that when Joseph was in the prison, anything that was done in the prison, he was the doer of it, all right? You say, what does that point us to? When someone is filled with the Spirit of God, they are busy doing the right things, And, and let me just say this about doers. Doers are planners. You know what you learn in Genesis chapter 1? Look at verse number 1. You know what God does? He creates. Look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. The Spirit of God moves. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse number 3. God said, let there be light. Look at Genesis 1, verse number 4. God divided light from darkness. You know what God is doing? God is laying out His plan for a creation. Uh, Look at verse number 5. God calls the light day, and the darkness He calls night. In verse 7, He makes the firmament. In verse 8, He calls the firmament heaven. In in verse number uh, uh, 9, God said, let the dry land appear. And it was, I love it, and it was so. When God says something, it is so, Amen. But what it shows you is all through this entire chapter, look at verse number 26. God said, let us make man in our image. So God, in verse 27, created man in his own image. You know what God is doing? God is laying out his plan. Go a couple chapters later. Go to chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6. You know, preacher, I thought we we're talking about Christmas. We want to get back to that. But what I want you to understand is this. You want to understand how God works. You want God to work in your life. You want to see God's plan in your life. Understand this much first off. God always has a plan. The question is, are you going to get in on it or not? Uh, Genesis chapter 6, you know what God does? Look at verse 14. God says, look, I made man, and man is so, so wicked and so depraved. I'm going to wipe them all out. And God says, unless I can find a righteous man, he comes to Noah, and he tells Noah in verse 14, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Why gopher wood? Uh, why, why does he tell him the, the dimensions? And it has to be this long and this wide and this tall. You know why? Because God plans things. God doesn't just wake up one day and go, oh, let's try this. That's not the nature of who God is. God thinks about and and prepares things the right way. He's not like us. He doesn't do things halfway. Understand this. When you look at your life and it doesn't make sense, understand that God is still working. And and God has a plan. Look at uh, chapter 12. How about this? A couple chapters later, God, uh, you you know the story of Noah, and and Noah comes through, builds that ark, and rescues his family. And, And if it wasn't for Noah, none of us would be here right now, right? And so Noah's got his sons and their wives on the ark. And then, of course, they get off the ark. And, and again, you see man's trouble with sin. And chapter 11, there's the Tower of Babel. And, and God said, you know what the Tower of Babel is? It's man going, I've got my own plans. God, I don't need you. And God comes down and says, you're not going to do it that way. You're going to learn the hard way. You do need me. And so in chapter 12, the very next chapter, God talks to him a man named Abraham. And you know what he tells Abram? Look at verse number 1, Genesis 12, verse number 1. He says unto Abram, get thee out of thy country. Look at verse number two. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great. You know what you're reading about? You're reading about a plan that's still in place to this day that God set in motion thousands of years ago. You say, what is that? It's, it's, it's our, our uh, ability to, to perceive that God, when he puts something down here, it's not a mistake, it's not an accident. And listen, I am thankful that regardless of how messed up my life has been at times, I can look at where I'm at and go, I am not just created in his image. Thank God I have a purpose in that. But also, I've been born again. I'm a child of God. This stuff is not accidental. God's hand is working even when I don't understand it. Uh, Look, can I remind you that that several hundred years later, about 300 years later, God calls a man named Moses. Look at Exodus chapter three, Exodus chapter three. You know what we're looking at? We're looking at how God plans things. Look, look, some of you have plans for, hopefully if you have plans tonight, hopefully you come to church, we'd love to have you. Uh, Some of you have plans with family this weekend. Some of you have plans with your family tomorrow. You know what you did in advance? You let them know, hey, we're going to start this at this time. Look, if you're a Hispanic family, when you say six, that means 730. Okay? We all know that. We understand that, right? And, and in fact, if you get there at 6, you know what you're going to be doing? Setting up when no one else is there. All right? So, just, just a little, little tidbit for you. Now you understand why we do things the way we do them at church. Brother Eric goes, Pastor, you want me to start? I'm like, oh, what time is it? It's 11.10. 10. Oh, yeah, let's start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but understand this much you planned your holidays. I'm sure of it. You've got plans for what's next. And can I say this? God should be part of your plans. Because God has you in his mind with with his plans. He he invites you to be a part of it. Look at Exodus chapter 3. Look at verse number 9. Let me ask you this. When you make all your plans, is God in them at all? Or is it just kind of like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this? Let me tell you something right now. That is practically living like an atheist. And if you're a child of God, that should not be the commentary on your life. Lord, here's my plan. Uh, Lord, is this what you want, God? As a matter of fact, how about this? How about instead of saying, this is my plan, God, are you okay with it? How about saying, God, what's your plan? Can I get in on it? Because God has a plan, and he's going to work some things out in your life. Listen, let me tell you right now. There are things you don't understand about your life right now that are part of the next five to ten years of your life. There are things that God wants to do in your life that will not make sense. And you know what? You've got an opportunity to go one of two ways. You can do like the shepherds. You can do like Mary and go, okay, the Lord showed up. I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to listen. I'm going to go. I'm going to check this out or go, you know what? I've got other stuff to do. Can you imagine the shepherds going, yeah, we'd love to go check it out, but we've got our job. Hello, God. Isn't that what some people do today? I've got my career. Yeah, you know what? God's aware of all of that. I've got this financial. God's aware of all of that. It's not like God's going, oh. Oh my goodness, I did not realize you were employed. I didn't realize you had a family. I didn't realize you had any problems. I just thought I was coming on someone that had a perfect life, and I was asking them to do something for me perfectly. No, that's not how God works. Uh, Over in Exodus chapter 3, you know what God does? God talks to a man out of a burning bush. He talks to Moses. Look at Exodus 3, look at verse number 1. Now therefore, uh, verse 9, I'm sorry. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Look at verse 10. Come now therefore, and I will what? That's God's plan for Moses. Can I tell you right now? The rest of your Bible doesn't read the same way if Moses doesn't respond the right way. See, God, God says, here's my plan. Moses did not have to go along with that. Moses, uh, look at chapter, let, let's go to Exodus 26 real quick. Just a real quick trip through the Old Testament. Bear with me. Just trying to lay a foundation. Exodus 26, Exodus chapter 26. Look if you would at verse number one. I, I just talked to someone this week. I can't remember who it was. They said, Dad, uh, it was Bella. Where's what, what Bella? I think it was Bella. Yeah, she goes, I'm in Leviticus. Pray for me. <laughs> you ever, anybody here ever read Leviticus? Yeah. And this sacrifice and this animal and the sprinkle of the blood and the sprinkle this. And you're like, Okay, all right, what does all that mean? It's a type and picture of all kinds of things when you study your Bible. But let's, be, let's not put on the, the spiritual facade. You know you don't get as ex- mostly you don't get as excited when you're in Leviticus as you do when you're in the Gospel of John, all right? I mean, let's just be honest about it. That's not, that's not reality, the, the, but it's there for a reason. Look at Exodus 26, verse 1. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle. You know what God's going to do? He's going to tell uh, Moses, here's my plan for my nation. I want them to be special. I want them to be different. And the way they're going to do that is by not worshiping false gods and images. But I'm going to build something. I'm going to put something right in the middle of the camp of Israel, even before they get into the promised land. When they're still wandering in the wilderness, I'm going to put myself right in the middle with them. Emmanuel, God with us in in the form of the tabernacle. You know what the book of Revelation says when Jesus Christ uh, is in the new heaven, the new earth? It says the tabernacle of God is with men. And so God puts that tabernacle right in the middle of all the camps of Israel. On the east side is Judah, you know, and southwest, north, all that kind of stuff. You say, what does that mean? What's it a, a picture of? Well, it's a picture of this God wants to be at the center of your life, not in the corner, not in the afterthought, not after the friends and the bills and the parties and the money and the career and the job and the savings and all that, but God wants to be right at the center. You know what people say all the time? People say this. If you go to a church that kind of pushes you to understand that God should be at the center, you're in a cult. No, that's called Bible. <laughs> God desi- and God earns the right to be at the center of your life. He saved your soul. He bought you with his precious blood. So, yeah, he deserves to be at the center. So you know what that tells me? When I'm building my life, he should be right in the middle. <laughs> you know what he does? He gives him instructions in Exodus 26. And he tells them, like, I'll be honest with you. If I'm God, here's what I tell him. Build me a tent. Make it pretty. Make it nice. I'm going to be with you. He doesn't do that. You know what he says? I want it this many. Look at, look at chapter 26. Look at verse 1. Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twine linen. Why? 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 <laughs> Like, I know I can give the types and all that stuff. So I can point, you know, you know the, the, the 10 is the number of the Gentiles, and God's going to bring us in, and, 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 and the fine is the righteous, the righteousness. yeah, yeah, yes, yes, I could do that. But when you're sitting back there in 1500 B.C., and God's like, I want 10 curtains, and I want them of this material, I'm not, where's Walmart? <laughs> We're in the middle of nowhere. Why would God require this? You know what that shows you? God always has a plan. I mean, look at, look at verse 2. The length of one curtain shall be 8 and 20 cubits. <laughs> why? <laughs> why does it matter if it's 27 cubits? Right. Why does it matter? You know why? Because it matters to God. Yeah. It shows you that God does not operate without a plan. And, and let me tell you something. All the way through the Bible, you see that. And all the way through there, you see that God's hand is involved with his people. And the story you're reading about in Luke chapter 2, by the way, it's, it's not a, an accident. It's not an afterthought with God. I've heard people say the church was kind of like an afterthought with God because it didn't work out with Israel. That's not true. The church is not an afterthought with God. Yes, we are grafted in, but God knew from the beginning. You say, why? God always has a plan. <laughs> Can I show you something? Look at Galatians chapter 4. Go to the New Testament with me. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, do you realize during the ministry of Jesus Christ there was a plan? It wasn't just his birth. It was his entire life. You know what Jesus says on a number of occasions? Mine hour is not yet come. Mine hour is not yet come. Mine hour is not yet Then he goes on to say, the hour is come. You know what that tells you? There's a timeline. There's a, there's a, a way of structuring things that God says, here's what's first. Here's what's next. It was not an afterthought with God. Look at Galatians 4. and Look at verse number 4. This is talking about Jesus Christ being born on this earth. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. You know what that tells me? There was a certain time at which the Lord would say, okay, now's the time. You say, what is that? That's God's plan being laid out. Now let me ask you a question. That same God that spoke the world into existence, that spoke the stars and the moon and the sun, and all that put everything in its rightful order. And if you're too close to the sun, you burn up. If you're too far away, as Tim mentioned last week, you have an ice age and you freeze up. And all the other stuff. And God did all that, put it in perfect order. That same God that did that, do you realize he has a plan for you? You know what you think sometimes? Well, I'm just kind of doing my own thing. Let me tell you this, and I mean this as respectfully as I can say it. If that's how you're living your life, you're a fool. Because you're missing out on what your creator and furthermore your savior wants for you You know when you look at the story and you look at the shepherd and you look at mary You know it kind of honestly it kind of looks like a mess It doesn't make sense to us But I want you to understand that god's plan is all through there Can I say this and this is something that's important to get a hold of you know what god's plan shows us God Desires us god chooses us, but he does not need us he doesn't need us now. There's one, or two ways to look at this. One way is to go, God doesn't need us. God doesn't, need us. and that's true. He doesn't need us. The other side is to go, look, I had Ariana, but I chose Preston. No offense, Ariana. Do <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? All joking aside, like God, God, God chooses. He doesn't need us. God choosing us just say, you know, you know what? God desires to use me. Then what a blessing is that? Uh, Look at Luke chapter 1. Go to Luke uh, uh, over there just a little bit before our passage. Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter 1. You know what? I may be talking to someone that maybe you're not walking with the Lord at all. And you say, God doesn't want to use me. You know the answer? Yeah, he does. The problem is you don't want to be used. Don't blame God for your lack of wanting to be used. That's on you, not him. You know what God wants? He wants vessels that are pure and vessels that are... You know what they are? Those vessels are chosen vessels. You know when Paul first gets saved, God says about Paul in Acts 9, he's going to be a chosen vessel unto me. God did not say, boy, I need Paul. He did not even say, Mary... You know what's amazing about the Lord during his ministry? The only time he ever said he needed something, you know what it was? It was a donkey. Let that sink in. Okay? Okay? The only time that the Lord ever, it was a jackass. It wasn't a a person. It was an animal. He doesn't, let me say this again. He doesn't need us. He desires us. He didn't need Mary. He desired her. He did not need Joseph. He desired him. He did not need, listen, the narrative of the wise men, that's a great story. But if they never come, he's still Jesus Christ. The, the, if the shepherds do not respond to the invitation of, from the Lord to come and see this thing, the, the narrative of the Christmas story, the God manifests in the flesh, it still happens. It is, it is not the Lord that benefits so much from us as much as us benefiting from Him saying, I invite you to be a part of this. Amen. Look at Luke chapter 1. Notice we saw this a couple weeks ago. Look at Luke 1 verse 30. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found what? Favor, Favor with God. Favor with God. Look at verse 31. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. Do you realize that God never said, Mary, I really need you? Never said that. He desired her. God doesn't need us, but he desires us. You to let that sink in this morning. You know, if I'm Joseph, I'm like, I want out of this. My life would be a lot easier if I didn't have this baggage. You see, that's a terrible way to look at it. Well, that's human nature. You know what Joseph could have done? He could have walked away from all of it. I'm real glad he didn't. (laughs) Real glad. There's a great testimony, a great example there. You You know what the Lord does? He uses Elizabeth to encourage Mary. He uses Zechariah to break the signs. He uses the wise men. You ever thought about how expensive it would have been to travel from Bethlehem to Egypt and then Egypt back up to Bethlehem? You know what the Lord does? He uses, everybody always goes, you know, the big joke is, you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, like where are the diapers, right? Here's these wise men bringing these gifts, like, what's what a baby supposed to do with gold? What's a baby supposed to do? Let me tell you what that was for. What I believe God used that for in, the, in their lives was to have the means to fulfill God's prophecy and God's protection for his son to get him away from Herod and bring him into Egypt in a sojourn there and to call his son out of Egypt. They didn't have the financial means, so you know what God does? He brings gifts into their life that don't even make sense in that moment. Yes, we can see prophet, priest, and king from those gifts, but if you're marrying, joseph it's like what am i gonna do with this i can use some diapers right now i can use some onesies or something like that but but here i am with gold for my boy but god used that you said was that god's plan god didn't need the wise men but can i say it like this he used them can i can I, can i ask you do you want to be used let me let me say this much I, I think sometimes we say yes and we mean it sometimes we say yes and what that really is is i want the glorious part but I don't, I don't want God to really just kind of like, you know, use me like, hey, Lord, whatever you want. Well, let me just say this right now. If that's the way you look at the Christian life, you're going to miss out. You are going to miss out. Let me say, over there in the Old Testament, you may not remember the story of that widow woman that has those, those uh, barrels of oil. The Bible says said uh, to uh, borrow from her neighbors. Uh, and this is a story where she had no food and there's no oil, there's a famine. Borrow from your neighbors the, the barrels of, uh, 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 of oil. And she gets these vessels, the Bible says. They weren't filled with oil yet. They were vessels that were empty. And you know what God does? God gets those empty vessels and when he, she brings them to her house, The oil is there until it is no longer needed. How did God do that? Why did God do that? You know what it's a picture of? When you are empty of yourself, God will fill you and use you. Can I just say this? I think the shepherds and I think Mary both understood this. Let me just say right now, there is no value in my life outside of Jesus Christ. Oh, no, you got, you know, you can do this, you can make money, this, blah, blah, blah. Let me just say right now, without Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you, there is no value in me. Just like those vessels had no value when they were empty, and then when they are filled, they can bring forth their purpose. Listen, when I learn to say, God, I want less of me and I want more of you, God can work in my life. God's plan requires that you understand that God doesn't need us. He wants us. If you're here and you've never been born again, can I say this? What a great day to get saved. Like, like honestly, if you've never been born, you've never been saved, you say, what does that born-again safe stuff mean? It means this. When you hit your head on your pillow at night, you never have to worry again about where well, you're going to spend eternity. You know that your sins are forgiven. You know you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You know heaven's your home. God is your father. And you know what happens after a while? After you've been saved for a number of years, you go, yeah, 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 I know that. Man, you should be more excited on a day like this when you consider what God did for you in sending his son down here to give you the chance to sit there and hear about it and reflect on the goodness of God. Man, if it wasn't for that, none of us would be here. You know what the Lord says? I don't need you, but I want you. You know what I learned from this? God's plan is not dependent on perfection. Look at Luke chapter 2. God doesn't need perfection. You know what some of you are going to do? You're going to wait until you're perfect to do anything for God. It's not going to happen. Look look at Luke chapter 2. Look if you would at verse number 1. It came to pass in those days. I want to point out a certain word that shows up quite a bit in this passage. And if you're a red-blooded American, you're going to hate it. You ready? It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from the IRS that all the world should be taxed. Look at verse 2. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Verse 3. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David, to be what? Look, this is the backdrop to this story. What good can come out of taxes? If you're you're like me, nothing. You know what God does though? God says, I'm going to take something that looks like an awful situation for you and I'm going to put you exactly where you need to be. You know what the problem is with some of you? You're looking at the finite circumstances instead of looking at the divine location that God wants to put you at. You're looking at, here's the, here's the, the circumstances and this is what's going on, therefore God can't be in it. Can I, can I just get some things off my chest that Christians say that just kind of blow my mind? It, it, if God can't be in it, it's this hard. No, that's not true. How about this one? I'm just going to keep going until God shuts the door. I don't know that God always operates that way either. You realize you can go through a lot of doors that God has never put in your life at all? These are just things that Christians say all the time. Where is that in the Bible? <laughs> you know what you see here? You see this. God looks at, at what's going on. He goes, I know that I've got to get my son to be born in Bethlehem. I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to work behind the scenes with the politicians in Rome. Think about this. I'm going to make the Roman Empire realize that they are low on funds. They have overstretched themselves. They're fighting too many wars. They got to bring in more money. See what God does? He brings tax. Now think about this. Here's all these other citizens of the Roman Empire having to pay taxes and complaining about it and moaning about it and griping about it. And all the meanwhile, it's God's way of getting His Son to Bethlehem. You see, you don't you don't always see you don't you don't always get it from His standpoint. Right. We're not Him. <laughs> You know what I'm trying to show you? If you were to line this thing up, would you involve shepherds and taxes? Probably not. God did. How about this one? <laughs> there's no room in the inn. That's a problem for a woman going into labor. I mean, I mean, imagine going to the hospital and there's no beds. Oh, we're out of beds. Well, what do you want me to do? Let nature run its course. <laughs> that baby's going to come out whether you're in a hospital bed or not. It's coming. Ready or not here? Because Megan's like, bring it on. <laughs> Man, that last month of pregnancy is so miserable. Bring it on. She's like, all this talk about having a baby. Lord, would you do it now? <laughs> Amen? If you got to the hospital and there's no beds, you, you would kind of you have a problem with that. You know what the Lord does? He goes, I'm going to move them into a place where there's no room. Lord, why would you do that? What's the point of that? Can, can I just get you to think of a couple things? One, If you're going to be with Jesus Christ, you're going to find there's going to be a lot of places where they go, no, thank you, we don't want you here. Can I get you to think about this angle as well? The Bible says if we want to know Him, we have to go outside the camp. You kind of have to leave where everybody else is at. Can I throw out one more thought that maybe you haven't considered? You're a Jewish young lady who's never been with a man, and yet you're pregnant. You think maybe God's way of protecting that couple was putting them in a place where there may be less eyeballs on them. So you don't see that part of it. You just go, oh, it's so awful, they didn't have any room in the end. Well, eventually they got somewhere. The Bible says they were in a house, and Matthew and the wise men came. Eventually they moved. But the point is this, you look at that and go, it's terrible. And God goes, no, it's part of my plan. But we, we don't see things that way. Why the cancer? Why, why the grief? Why the way we're a child? I'm not saying that God ordains all of that, but God works those things according to His plan. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not saying that God ordained sin. I'm just saying God could have put them, if God wanted to, He could have put them in a place where there was ruin the end, and He did not, and that was part of His plan. How about this? Our army is way too small compared to theirs. Gideon. How about this one? I'm so small compared to him. David. You see, what are the problems? Not not perfect. How about this one? God, I was born blind. Why? For the glory of God. Easy for me to say amen. I'm not the blind guy in John 9. But everyone's got their blind, everyone's got their thing that makes them realize, that makes them think, God, why? You know what I'm trying to get you to understand? When you don't understand, just get this much, God can take that which is imperfect and make it beautiful. How about this, Lord? We're being persecuted by this Saul guy. What are we gonna do? You know what God does in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? He tells him, Go and preach in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, uttermost parts of the earth, Samaria, uttermost parts of the earth. And in Acts chapter 8, verse 1, they hadn't done that. And you know what God does? God takes this, this hardened heart of a man named Saul and he uses that man to bust up the church from Jerusalem. To do what? To carry out his plan to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. You say, would God do that? He absolutely did. And then he takes that same man and saves him. Talk about God working out a plan. See, we can't see that. Do you think, let's be honest, if you're a Christian in the first century and this guy Saul is persecuting you, do you think you're sitting there going, Lord, I'm so glad, I know you're going to save him. He's going to write half the New Testament. We can't wait. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, that's exactly what God did. You know not I'm trying to get you to understand? God doesn't need perfect. You know why some of you aren't serving God? Because you know you're not perfect. Can I say this? If you're not careful, that allows... You don't realize it, but it's actually your own pride that gets you to go, well, I'm not, God can't use me. No, that's your pride. You're going to tell me that God uses people like David that that committed adultery and murder, and he's not going to use you? You know what, God, he wants to you. He desires it. And if you're not careful, you make it this idea of what it must be. Oh, I just can't be like Brother Tim. I can't be Brother James. God doesn't want you to be those people. He wants you to be you. And even in your imperfection, God desires to use you. All this time of year, people are making New Year's resolutions. Here's one. God, will you use me? I want to be used of God. I want, Lord, I want my plans to be your plans. How about this one? We only have five loaves and two fishes, and there's 5,000 people. Let me tell you something. Americans don't understand this. You live in a third world country? Right now, some of you don't know this, but there's a lot of people from Venezuela and Denver right now. You know what? Just put the politics aside for just a moment. You know why they're here? There's no food in their country. You know why? Because socialism is wonderful until it's not. And you know those people are here. You know what they're, they're doing? They're searching for food. We don't know in America clearly. Some of you, got, you read about Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And I'm like, Lord, I did 40 minutes. Does that count? I mean, we don't know what it's like. You know what people do when there's a mass of people and there's nothing to go around? They get violent. You can kind of feel, if you're one of the disciples, you can kind of feel, okay, Lord, we've been out here all day. Everybody's kind of expecting something. We don't have it. Lord, this is the wrong place, the wrong time. What in the world? You know what the Lord's saying? I like the imperfect. Because then it shows that it's me doing something and it's not you. Look, if you would, at Luke chapter 2. Can I show you something in... Verse number 10. You know, there's a couple ways to react to the unknown. Thirdly, let me say this: God's plan demonstrates joy in the face of fear. You know what we tend to think? We tend to think I I'm either gonna be afraid or I'm gonna be joyful. Do you realize? When you're walking with God, I'm not I I think this is true, and it's a consistent pattern oftentimes throughout the Bible, you have people that are afraid. They're not really sure exactly that, 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 that it's going to all turn out the way that they hope it is. There's fear that that's why God tells Joshua, fear not. Fear. Let me tell you something. Greatest battle warrior in the Old Testament, you know, Joshua. We have this idea of Joshua being like, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know You know, never, never lost a battle. He's just as big of, I bet you, I bet you Josh is not like this three, I can wait lift 350, you know man. I mean? I bet you he's not that big of a guy. I bet you he's probably like the Apostle Paul, probably smaller, probably kind of quiet. He's the guy that when Moses goes in the tabernacle Joshua goes in behind him and he stays there and nobody else gets that experience even when Moses leaves Joshua stays in there and God puts his hand on Joshua's life but you know you see in the book of Joshua fear not fear not fear not you don't tell someone not to be afraid if they're fine listen there are times when I'm driving in the snow and and my wife huh (laughs) 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 oh honey they're two miles in front of us baby. it's okay get ready that's me a lot of fun amen all right all right eric you got to take notes you too all right buddy all right all right you got yeah yeah okay all right by the way i i love this i love that whenever i announced a couple months ago Caleb and sarah engaged Caleb's like i never told you to tell anybody and joe's like we're engaged and they're roommates that's awesome only in the body of christ amen but you know what's amazing about Joshua? Joshua is this guy that has fear. And God is telling him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But you know, I think Joshua also experienced in the, in the victories and in the conquests, he experienced joy in the midst of that fear. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse number 10. The angel said, them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great what? You know what I I find in the Old Testament, the story of of Nehemiah, how they go to rebuild the the, the city and they rebuild the walls and all that stuff. And you know what you find over and over and over, Nehemiah? They were afraid. Nehemiah 6.9, the enemies of God made us all afraid. Nehemiah 6.13, therefore was he hired that I should be afraid. Can I say this? The Lord does not want you living in fear. That is the work of your enemy. God hath not given us a spirit of fear. It's a natural response to things. But it doesn't mean that's necessarily what God wants. But God understands our frame. He goes, you know what? In the midst of your fear, I want you to learn. Doesn't Paul, from a jail cell write, rejoice in the Lord always? And again, sometimes he bothers me. (laughs) Like, you know, husbands love your wives, period. I'm good. As Christ loved the church, shut up! (laughs) Oh no, pastor, I never think that. I do, (laughs) Well, I, I, that's a high standard. Rejoice in the Lord always. You know, if it was Joe Osing sitting from my billionaire airplane, writing my books, <laughs> God just loves you. I mean, like if it's that, or if it's you know one of these one of these uh, prosperity gospel guys, rejoice in the Lord always. I tell you. And again, I say, I would go. Yeah, well, you. Yeah, you. But but Paul's in a jail cell. <laughs> I have this in my mind. Rejoice in the Lord always, and he's going to appear there, and the Lord's like. There's these grumpy Bible believers 2,000 years from now. <laughs> Keep going. And again, I say rejoice. <laughs> Some of you need to let your face know that you're saved. <laughs> Amen. You, you know what I'm trying to get at, though? Is you can, you can have joy even when you don't know how it's all going to turn out. Right. Amen. <laughs> I, I love that the Lord tells them I bring you great tidings of the good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. And he starts that with a group of shepherds that are shaking in their boots. You know what Nehemiah says? <laughs> he says, the joy of the Lord is your. <clears throat> the other day, Joe had the unfortunate situation of FaceTiming me, and I was shirtless at the moment. <laughs> My girls would say, dad bod, is what they'd call it. And I said, "Ooh." He goes, Oh. Nice, Pastor. (laughs) The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know what your strength isn't? Listen to me very carefully. Your strength isn't your strength. I'm good with people. That's not your strength. I'm I'm real smart. Not your strength. I can fix anything, and that's a blessing to have around. But it's not your strength. You know, um, I, I know how to deal with conflict. Not your strength. You know what your strength is? It's having joy in the Lord no matter what's going on. That's where your strength comes in as a believer. Do you realize Joseph and Mary, from their standpoint, they don't have a perfect life. Things are a mess, and they're going, okay, I guess it's time to rejoice. Thank God the baby's here. Thank God mom's safe. Thank God I guess this is all. The Lord's bringing some things back, confirming some things in our lives. Maybe not the way that we would like them confirmed. Listen, again, if I was going to ask God to confirm things, I wouldn't do it with a bunch of strangers showing up after my wife just had a baby. But that's the route that God chose. You know why these shepherds could rejoice? Because in the midst of fear, they were willing to listen to what God had to say. Look, look at Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 15. Can I say this? God's plan moves the willing to decision. You know i I learned about this generation? Nobody wants to commit. Like, let's, let's sleep together, but let's not get married because m- maybe it won't work out. Maybe sleeping together before you marry doesn't work out. I know it's old-fashioned. I'll I can't believe you said that. I don't. Why are you so old-fashioned? It's still Bible. God didn't wake up one day and go, oh, 2023, let's change the book. God is exactly who you you can't. We are not animals. We are emotional beings. We are spiritual beings. When you've joined flesh with flesh, things happen emotionally and mentally. They're going to mess you up if you're not in the relationship the way God said to do it. Amen. Amen. Preacher, it's Christmas. I know. That was for free. It wasn't even in the notes. (laughs) But here's what I want you to understand. Our generation does not like commitment. I'll come to church, but I won't join. Uh, I'll, I'll flirt with you, but that's it. I mean, you know what's funny? I love when someone's like, "Pastor, you know, church membership in the local church." I don't find in the Bible. I don't find Costco in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> or Sam's Club. Yeah. Or whatever, fifty thousand others, Hulu, and and it, you know all these different subscriptions that people have. You're probably spending a thousand bucks a month and don't even realize it anymore. I don't find any of that in the Bible, and yet you're committed to those things. Right. I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm just saying, listen, when it comes to commitment, our, our generation goes, eh. yeah, I, I, people say this, yeah, hey, I'd love to have you come to candlelight service. Oh, man, I'll try to be there. Try to take a shower. <laughs> try to eat. Try to go to work. See how that works for you. Yeah. You know what it is? That's me saying I don't want to commit to anything. You know what this generation suffers from? That. You want to know why marriages are a mess? You want to know why society is a mess? Because people do not want to commit. You know what I've learned about the Lord? No one ever meets the Lord and and is like, huh, nice guy. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go about my life the way it was before. Every time someone meets the Lord in the Gospels, you know they walk away with a decision that has to be made. Do you know why at the end of every church service we have an invitation? You say, oh, that's not in the Bible. Yes, it is. Maybe not in that form. But it's like this. Every time someone meets Jesus, there's a decision that has to be made. You do not walk away as Switzerland from the Lord. You don't walk away neutral. You've got to make a yay or a nay when you meet Jesus Christ. If you're lost and you've never been born again, you never trusted him and all his righteousness and his death, burial, and resurrection for your sins, you don't get to walk away and go, nice message. You know what you're saying? I will not get saved. I reject Jesus Christ. That's your decision. Or you say, you know what, Lord? I accept you as my Savior. There's one or two ways. You're not walking away without a decision. And if you're saved, can I tell you this? When the Lord shows up, you don't walk away going, eh, we'll see. You're making some kind of decision. Look at Luke two. Look at verse fifteen. By the way, can I say this? The angels don't stay around forever. Let me say it again. The feeling, the emotional high, the big scene, the big crescendo, the angel singing—that doesn't last forever. That's a moment, and then it's gone. And then you actually have to do what God told you to do. You know what? What they say. I like this. Look at, look at verse 15. It, it says here at the middle of the verse, let us now go. I like that. Can I say this? If you want to do what God wants you to do, you better surround yourself with people that are interested in the same thing. Amen. They said, let us now go. You know what they did? They decided. <laughs> they decided they were going to do what God said. Maybe you're, Maybe it's not for you this major decision. Maybe it's not some major. Maybe it's just I'm going to decide to read God's word. I'm going to decide to attach myself to a local church. I'm going to decide that, Lord, I want you to wipe my schedule clean and you take over. And Lord, I want you to tell me what I should do with my time. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe to, to someone else, it's not monumental. It's not huge. Maybe it's small. But to God, it matters that you walk away today with a decision being made for Jesus Christ. You know what takes no talent? Being still and listening the talent you think the things that we glorify this guy jumped from the free throw line i believe i can fly in my dreams i can you ever seen a five seven and a half foot puerto rican dunk if you have i don't want to see the video because i can't listen these are things that we glorify do you see that catch I mean, that guy put his hand up, just just like this, and he kicked it. And he, he, oh, this is my favorite one. The guys that kind of do like this, in the NFL, right at the at the at the uh, the boundary, the out of, out of out of bounds line, they do that and drag their feet. Oh, well, look at that talent! God's not going to care about any of that stuff. You know, what matters more to God. He watches more than he's watching. More than he's like, oh no, the Dolphins going to beat the Cowboys? God doesn't care. Right. I wish he would, <laughs> but he doesn't care. You know, you know what God cares more about? What's happening right now in your heart as you're listening to this? You say, yeah, we're going to have candlelight, we're going to do this, we're going to Okay, all right, great. But what decision are you making for Jesus Christ? I like the story of Lot. It's kind of sad, but it's real. It's so real. Because here you have this man that knows he should be moving. Now listen to me very carefully. I don't believe you should take a step in any direction if God's not leading. I'm serious. It's, it's better to run a thousand yards in one direction when you know God's there than to take a single step if God's not. Having said that, once you know where God is telling you, and that doesn't always mean a geographical direction, but if it does, then go. Once you know where God wants you to go in your life, spiritually, emotionally, whatever else, go. Maybe, how about this? Some of you, now maybe not all of you, but some of you before you were saved, you know what you did? You ran to the wrong things. And even after some of you have been saved, maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you know what's right, and you grew up and you go, I know how I know, I know to right, right divide, I know eternal security, I know all the doctrines, I know seven sevens, I know seven mysteries, I can do all, I know how to put everything, and you still in certain points of your life, even when the red light was there and God was putting his hand up and saying, stop, you ran right through it. How about every once in a while you run to what God wants? Well, I might, I, might make him, I might look stupid. Maybe, but you look stupid for sin. Why don't you try being, look, looking stupid for Jesus Christ? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're going to be a fool for something, be a fool for him. Yeah. There, Lot, you got the story of the angels coming down and basically grabbing Lot by the arm and going, let's go. Yeah. Talk about the mercy of God. you ever been in that situation in life? You don't realize how bad it is, and then all of a sudden you kind of realize, I should leave. <laughs> yeah. What was the first clue? Oh, I started seeing fire fall down from heaven. Yeah. Maybe I should go. And you know what's interesting? I love the, the commentary. God puts these little things in there. The Bible says, while Lot lingered. It's kind of just going, huh. Well, I have to give this up. Bro, you're, not, you're about to die. You're not losing anything. You're gaining life by following the Lord. Amen. You know, they say the indecision is actually the cause of of poor health in people's life. Uh, I read a study, and it says this indecision has also been linked to higher levels of neuroticism, uh, which is when someone tends to feel more anxiety, depression, self-doubt, and just general negativity. Uh, People who view the world in this way tend to experience negative emotions in a wide range of situations, including decision-making. What is the worst that can happen to an indecisive person? The answer is probably that they'll lose their freedom because if you're indecisive, someone else will make that decision for you. And you know what God refuses to do? To be that guy. To force you into a decision. God's not going to do it. God's going to say, here's what's right. Which way do you want to go? And he comes to those shepherds and he goes, hey, there's this uh, baby in a manger. This is going to be a sign unto you. And, and all of a sudden, the angels sing, and they're singing like they've always sung before. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. And they hear all that, and they say all that. You know what they could have said? Well, that was weird. <laughs> huh. uh, well, we got some schedule to keep. We got, you know, sheep are kind of, you know, it's a busy time of year for us. You know what I think God did? God rewarded them. You see, following God's plan can change your legacy. And I think about this often. Here's why I think about it. A lot of my family does not know Jesus Christ. And I've watched a lot of my family struggle with depression, eating disorders, drug addiction, broken marriages, children that are all confused and messed up. You think, oh, you think you're better than them? Not a minute, not a second. Not for a moment, not at all. My heart breaks for them. But you know what I can think of? That would be me wouldn't be any different it might be worse off yeah. Amen. Amen. but you know what god can do listen you know what they were that day those shepherds just shepherds you know who they are now the shepherds when you tell this story and you talk about shepherds it's not just like oh well what's their names god said doesn't matter what their names are but you know them as the shepherds yeah. who's married just a woman having a baby to everybody else in that community, on that night, that's exact. And by the way, probably how she felt yeah. just having a baby. But you know who she is? She is the chosen vessel of the Lord. You see? God's plan can change your legacy if you're willing to submit to it. I say this lovingly. I, I watched some of you over the years and you just fight it. Can I be real with you? You're going to be miserable until you quit fighting. You know when you get joy and it lasts? When you just go, I'm done. I don't want to fight. I, Lord, I just I want, I want to get on your page. If that's your direction. I, that's where I want to be. Let me ask you a question. Do you just feel like I'm just a Christian on the side of a bank at some church... You know what God can do? He can go, hey, that's the one that I'm going to use for X, Y, and Z. The choice is up to you. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to your children as you need to, and I pray they'd respond. God, thank you for all that you went through. Lord, to execute your plan on this earth. Lord, thank you that you did not stop in a manger, Lord, but went to a cross and eventually to a grave and eventually back to glory. Thank you, Lord, for the reminders. The full end leads to a birth in a manger. And that body that hung on that cross leads to a tomb that's eventually vacant. Thank you, Lord, for doing all that for us. Lord, I pray as we prepare to celebrate with family and friends, Lord, uh, we wouldn't just walk away just another service. Lord, that we desire to be used, desire to be your vessel. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that isn't saved, they trust you today as their Savior, not risk their eternal soul. The Lord's spoken to you. What a great day to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Don't put it off. God's dealt with your heart. You say, well, there's no room at the altar. Number one, there's room in the aisle. Number two, there's room at your chair. But make the decision. Don't don't just come to church, well, I checked the box. If you're here and you're saved and you know you're saved, yeah you have, you've got something that this world so desperately needs. You have hope, you have life, you have peace, you can have it, all because of Jesus Christ. If you're here without Jesus Christ, you've never been born again. Let me ask this question. If you die today, would you be in heaven or hell? Such a real point of question, preacher. Yes, it is. And it is on purpose. Because you only go to one of those two places. And if you're here and you've never been born again, let me just tell you, the greatest decision you can make in your life is trusting what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary to take away your sin. With no one looking around, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here and you've never been saved, I'd like to at least pray for you. I can't make you get saved. As we learned about, God doesn't force us to make a decision. But would you be honest enough with yourself and with God to raise your hand and go, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. Anybody here like that? Christian, what are your plans? Are they yours or are they God's? You know, I like what these shepherds did at the end of the story. We didn't talk about it a whole lot, but you know what they do after they saw what they saw? They went and they told. Christian, whatever God's showing you, you know what you got to do? Tell others. Number one, for accountability purposes. Number two, man, if you're going to talk about something, talk about the Lord. You know, it's interesting. Mary is obviously a picture of one of God's chosen vessels. And the Bible says she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart trying to help some of you, be better off doing that versus throwing it out on Facebook. you are be better off doing that versus calling someone up and telling them what you think. Maybe just hold it in and go, okay, Lord, I'm bringing this to you. You know what's interesting about that? Mary was troubled. If you read the gospel of Luke in chapter one, she was troubled. And yet, in the end, she has peace. Herod was troubled as well. You know how he responds? Trying to control and manipulate through anger, try to move things in a certain way. And man, he doesn't have it. He never gets what she gets. They're both troubled, but different responses. You say, why? One was willing to acknowledge that my plan may not be God's. Maybe I need to just get God's plan. And one wouldn't. This is a time of year where people get pretty, I think, uh, introspective. They kind of look inside and they think about, like, what did I do this year and what do I want to do differently next year? And I'll be honest with you, the older I get, the less I have a laundry list of things. Not because I don't care, but because I, I realize that a lot of that's just pressure that the world puts on you to do that. And uh, But I'll tell you this, there's some things I want to do for the Lord. I do and I've learned this I don't always respond the right way but I'll say this I've learned it it's his plan we just get to be the vessels (laughs) but how amazing is that you never hear about these shepherds ever again But if you had your Bible open, the title God gives them is "the shepherds." Thank you, says. And you may just be a Christian, but you know what? To God, you could be the Christian that God uses. You know, well, maybe I. Well, but God's not going to use me to be a missionary. It doesn't have to be a missionary. It doesn't have to be a pastor. It doesn't have to go. To be, doesn't mean you go to Bible school necessarily. It Just means. You are saying, Lord, what do you want? And you know what? Maybe it touches someone's life and they get saved and forever and ever and ever for all of eternity. Look, we could talk about this story over and over and I could do it. I love this story. I think about uh, uh, Miss Vanessa coming to church and then bringing Anita, then bringing Felix and, and all the kids getting saved. And some of them are in Bible school right now. Why? Just because someone invited someone to church. You say, what is that? Just, I want to be in on God's plan. And I, I think about what happened with Miss Nancy's dog. You say, what is that? Just... Part of God's plan. You say, what is that? Lord, whatever you want, I want to be there. Amen? And look at all the lives that have been touched as a result of it. Those things are out there. They're waiting to happen, and God wants you to be a part of it. The question is, will you be there? Will you be available when God says, hey, I want you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, uh, this afternoon and ask for God's blessing to bring us back safely tonight. Uh, Looking forward to candlelight service. And uh, let me just encourage you. Invite friends. Invite family. And uh, let's fill this place for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Uh, has it been good to be in church this morning? Amen. Amen. Let's uh, let's go out and enjoy some lunch.